turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Praise the name of the Lord. This morning I want to continue this series that we began uh, a few weeks ago on the full armor of God. And uh, this morning I want to deal with the breastplate of righteousness. Last week we talked about having the belt of truth. The week before that we talked about the last man standing, being the last one standing in the battle that we are fighting And then the first message was understanding the conflict. We are in a conflict today. The conflict, as Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, he tells us that our war is not against flesh and blood. In other words, you're not fighting anybody. You're not fighting each other. Though from time to time, maybe you don't see eye to eye with your neighbor. You don't see eye to eye with your brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not fighting other religions. That is not our point. Our point today is that we are fighting a spiritual battle and that spiritual battle is greater than any battle that is raging in the world today. And I say that respectfully to those that maybe have experienced war in their own countries. The devastation that war causes. Yet when we realize that in the span of our lives we will live probably no more than 75, 80, 90 some years. I had my great uncle last year, I believe just passed away. He was 107 years old. Passed away, lived 107 years. You think that's, that's living a long, long time. And yet, in the history of mankind, during the course of our lives, the lifespan even of a 100-year-old, when you think about how much time has passed, How much time will pass unless Jesus comes back before that time? It's but a blip on the radar. But we live in a time where we are in a spiritual warfare. In fact, I want to just take a moment and back up and read a little bit, starting at verse 10, and I want to just read down through to verse 14. We're not going to read the whole passage. We're going to be dealing with from verse 10 all the way down through to verse 20. Uh, over these next few weeks, but I want to read this. The Bible says this, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against whose schemes? The devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, here's what the whole series is about. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything... To stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And that's where I want us to pick up today the breastplate of righteousness. A woman by the name of Terry Schaefer 
a young wife lived with her husband in Moline, Illinois, a number of years ago. She had a special gift that she wanted to give her husband for Christmas, but was afraid that they wouldn't be able to afford it. She was started shopping in September, knowing that it was a specialized piece of equipment. Not every store would sell this particular thing. She finally found it, and to her dismay, it was way beyond her budget. She came up with the idea of laying it away and making payments with the storekeeper. She pitched her idea to the store manager who did not have necessarily a layaway plan, but the businessman sympathized with, her, sympathized with her situation and said, since your husband is a policeman, I doubt that you're going to take advantage of me. Why don't you give your first payment today and I'll let you take the gift home? Make sure that you make the other payments and pay it off before Christmas. She agreed. The only problem was, she was one of those people who couldn't keep a secret. She couldn't wait until Christmas to give the gift to her husband. So that September night, she stood there beaming with a wrapped present on the table of their small home. She said, Merry Christmas, and gave her husband a peck on the cheek. Neither one of them realized at that moment how significant that particular gift would end up being. In fact, in the not-too-distant future, it would mean the difference between life and death for her husband. On October the 1st of that same year, Patrolman David Schaefer was working the night shift and got a call on his police radio. A drugstore robbery was in place, racing to the scene, he arrived just in time to observe the suspect getting into his car, starting the engine, and speeding away. Quickly, David switched on the siren and began the pursuit. Three blocks later, the getaway car suddenly pulled over to the side of the road and stopped. The suspect was still behind the wheel of his car as David cautiously approached. He got about three feet from the window. When the suspect fired an automatic pistol, sending a 45 caliber slug into David's abdomen. 7 a.m. the next morning, Terry answered the door of their home to face a police officer, telling her that her husband had been shot trying to apprehend a robbery suspect. As, she, as he detailed the news, he said he had bad news and good news. As she listened, she was glad that she didn't wait till Christmas to give her husband the gift. David had been shot point blank with a 45 caliber pistol and survived. She was very glad the shopkeeper had let her take that gift home that day. The gift Terry had purchased for her husband was a bulletproof vest and it had saved his life. He was in the hospital with deep bruises to his chest, but not a bullet wound. He, she had given her husband the gift of life. You see, the reason why Christ came was to provide for us a vest of righteousness, a breastplate, as it were, of righteousness. He paid the price with his precious blood that he might protect us 
with a shield that sin cannot penetrate. Put it on. The only way you can lose today is to take it off. We've already talked about how important putting on the full armor of God is. We've talked a little bit about not making sure that none of the pieces are missing because many Christians and many believers get a little bit spiritually lazy and they think, well, I don't need the belt of truth. What's the big deal? You know, if I'm not faithful to the house of God or I'm not faithful to God in certain circumstances, God knows my heart. He knows what I'm going through. He understands my pain, my sorrow, my difficulty. If I fudge the truth a little bit, it's not a big deal. If I don't stand for Him all the time, He understands me. Maybe we think the breastplate of righteousness is not a big deal. We're going to get into this today and talk a little bit about it. But I believe with all my heart today that Paul writes this and he is looking as Paul is is doing now, he is in prison and he is looking likely at a Roman soldier because Roman soldiers were all around at that time. At that time in history, Rome was in charge. It was the empire of empires in that time. And now Paul is chained under either house arrest or he is in prison and he is looking at these guards and he is looking at these soldiers and how they are dressed and how they're prepared at any moment for battle And he is thinking to himself, you know what, this is what God has done for us. We've got to be prepared not for a physical battle, but we have to be prepared for a spiritual fight. Because folks, I want to tell you today, the Bible says that the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't like you. He doesn't love you. He doesn't have a good plan for you. His plan is to do nothing but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he will do whatever he possibly can to make sure that you give in to his plan. And so what we need is not only the belt of truth that we talked about last week, But we need the breastplate of righteousness. Why do we need it? Well, we've got to put it on because of who has provided it. If you're taking notes today, you can write that down. We must put it on because of who has provided it. You see, the Bible says about righteousness, and we're going to differentiate today a little bit between two different types of righteousness. The kind of righteousness that was given to us or that we were declared to be when we gave our lives to Christ has nothing to do with you being perfect. Aren't you glad that there that you, you don't have to be perfect? i got to tell you, I am so glad because if, if I had to be perfect, I would have given up a long time ago. None of us are perfect today. There isn't anybody in the room who can profess that you have been absolutely perfect, but you have been viewed as perfect through the eyes of God based upon what Jesus Christ has done for you. And it is by faith that that comes. Listen to what the Bible says. In fact, why don't you turn over there? We're in the New Testament. Turn over to Romans chapter 4. Go to Romans chapter 4, and I want to read verses... Let's start at verse 20. We'll read down through to verse 24. Romans chapter 4. And Paul is talking about Abraham. And how Abraham became somebody who was righteous before God. Well, how? 
Because Abraham was perfect? No. We even see, as you read in the book of Genesis, starting in Genesis 12, you read the life of Abraham. As you read Abraham's life, you read that Abraham was not a perfect man. Abraham made mistakes. There are many in the Bible who made mistakes as well. Listen to what the Bible says. It says in verse 20 of chapter 4, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why, listen to this, it was credited to him as righteousness. Notice it was credited to him. In other words, God looked at him and said, you believe my word, you believe what I've said, therefore I am declaring you righteous. Not a righteousness of his own, not anything that he could have done, but I am declaring you to be righteous before me. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 23, the words it was credited to him were written not only for him, not for him alone, but also, look at this, for us, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Notice the Bible says it was God who did it. You didn't do it, I didn't do it, but it was God who has provided righteousness to us. He is the one who has declared you righteous, not based on anything that you have done. It's not based upon your works. It's not based upon your perfection because none of us could be perfect enough. None of us could have ever done what was right before the Lord in the way that God would dictate, in the way that God would declare. There is only one who could do that, and it was Jesus. And it is based upon our faith in Him that He says, I now declare you to be righteous before me. What does that righteousness mean? It simply means that you are now in right standing before an absolutely holy God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Think about that for a minute. You couldn't approach God. You couldn't do anything to get into God's presence and impress Him. There isn't anybody who could impress God. But God says, now I declare you righteous based upon your faith in what Jesus has done. So God is the one who has provided that. The Bible says that God credits righteousness to us by faith. This is our standing in righteousness that comes from what Jesus did for us on the cross. We can never ever, as believers, never in the warfare that we are fighting against the enemy, lose sight of how vital and important the cross is. If we lose the vision of the cross, if we lose the sight of the cross of Jesus Christ, then we will lose everything that we need. Brothers and sisters, it has all been provided for us on the cross of Jesus Christ. Today you are clean. Today you are pure. Today you are holy based on the cross, not yourself. So it is God who has provided this right standing that we have. 
But even in this idea of the right standing, it's not even necessarily the kind of righteousness that Paul is talking about. We'll get to that in a moment. But I want you to see this also, that your armor comes from your commanding officer. The Bible says this. Paul says earlier in chapter uh, 6, and we just read part of the passage of Ephesians, Chapter 6, he says to put on the full armor of who? God. God has provided it. He has given it. It is His armor. It is His provision. Your armor comes from your commanding officer. You've got to remember that it is from Him. Now don't get in your head the vision, at least in, in a moment I had in my head the vision of Saul trying to give his armor to David. Saul was a pretty tall man. He was an older man. He was a warrior. David comes along. He's still the shepherd boy. He's not, not quite probably even 20 yet. He's still a young man. And David comes along and Saul says, here, take this armor. And the armor was too big for him. That's not what God has provided. God has provided an armor that fits. He has provided an armor that works for you. He has provided everything that you need, and it is the armor of God. God is your commanding officer, and as such, He has left nothing out of your armor that could expose you to failure. I love that. God has left nothing out of your armor that could expose you to failure. You need to know that today. God does not provide incomplete armor. He doesn't provide to you things that you don't need, superfluous things that are just kind of, you know, do I really need this? You know, I, and, and in modern military today, the, the, some of the things when these guys are going into combat that you see that they're carrying, that they have to have with them, you think, how in the world are they going to need all of that? But trust me. The, the military has thought it through and they will potentially could need whatever it is that has been provided. God provides absolutely nothing to you that you do not need, but he provides everything that you need so that you will come out as the last one standing. And he has provided a breastplate of righteousness. You see, God is someone who knows what the battle is like. I got to say that there are times we go through spiritual struggles and battles in our own lives and we think we're the only ones. We think we're the only ones who know what's going on. We're the only ones who are feeling the intensity of it. We're the only ones who feel the frustration of it. We're the only ones. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. We're the only ones. Poor me. But i got to tell you that God knows what you're going through. That God knows exactly what's happening on the inside. He knows the temptation that you will face. He knows what you need to be able to overcome in the battle the tempta- when the temptation rages and the devil seems to be trying to get you to give in and to give up. God knows what you're going through, folks. And He knows how to keep you. He knows how to strengthen you. And He knows what to give you so that the enemy cannot get through and get to the heart of your life now not only do we need to see who has provided it but we've got to put it on because of what is protected by it 
You've got to put on this breastplate of righteousness because of what is protected by it. That, that word, uh, this idea of it being the breastplate of righteousness indicates that it is protecting the inner person, your inner self. It is protecting the seat and the thought and emotion, your conscience. It is protecting your courage and even the mind and understanding. Oftentimes in Scripture when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not just talking about, it's certainly not talking about you know, that, that, that muscle within your chest that's pumping blood and keeping you alive. It's not talking about that. It's talking about often the seed of our emotions. We talk about our heart being broken. But it's more than that. We don't refer to our hearts that way today. It's mostly, you know, sometimes you say, well, I, I, I sense it in my heart or I know it in my heart. There is a, an understanding that comes. And, and often in Scripture, this is also how the heart is referred. It is referred to as your conscience, as your understanding. It is, it is sometimes even equated with your ability to, to uh, think and your mind, even though we think of now our brain as that's where the thought happens. But the two are very interconnected, right? When you begin to think things, you know, that are happening in life, and you begin to think crazy things, you know, things that aren't necessarily true, what happens? All of a sudden your heart gets affected by it. Not your physical heart, but that emotional part of you. Right? Well, let that person yesterday, they looked at me funny. I remember that in my head. I'm thinking about it. They looked at me funny at church. So clearly, clearly there's a problem. That really bugs me. See, it's bugging you. It's not in your head now. Now it's getting down in your heart. It's probably all in your head, by the way, just so you know. As we would understand it. But now, now it's starting to affect your emotions because you're getting mad. You're getting a little upset. You're getting bothered by what you perceived, what you are thinking. And so now it's all related. It's all connected. But you see, the enemy wants that battleground because that is a major, major battleground for your life. Listen to what the Bible says. You don't need to turn there. But Proverbs chapter 4. And verse 23 says this. It says, above all else, guard your heart. Not your physical heart. For everything you do flows from it. Great analogy for the physical heart in one sense. Because everything flows from the heart. Everything that your body needs, all the blood, all the oxygen, the heart is, is important. But here the Bible indicates this isn't the physical heart now. This is that part of you that is emotional, that part of you that feels, that part of you is, that is the seat of your thought and emotion, the place where courage happens, the place where, where compassion takes place, all of those things, the Bible says, guard your heart. Well, how am I going to do that? Simple. The breastplate of righteousness. God has provided you everything that you need to be able to fend off the enemy, and the enemy is going to do his best to come at you in the heart as your place of thought and emotion. Turn over to Luke chapter 6. 
Luke chapter 6. And I want you to see how your heart, as that place of thought and emotion, is protected by the breastplate of righteousness. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. The Bible says this. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. But the evil man brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. So we've got to protect that place where oftentimes things that are on the inside eventually surface and come out. This is so important for us to remember the breastplate of righteousness protects that battleground that the enemy wants to get in and he wants to begin to mess with it. He wants to begin to put things there that are not necessarily true. He wants to begin to make you think that somehow that you got a problem over here, you got a problem with that sister, you got a problem with that brother, you got a problem with this situation, you got a problem with that situation, all of a sudden He begins to mess with your heart a little bit. And now, out of the overflow, here's what comes out. Nasty things, mean things, rotten things, divisive things, things that are not helpful and things that don't build up. But if you protect that place, if you protect that vital spot on your body, and you protect it as that place of your thought and emotion and say, Lord, you have provided everything that I need that's going to help me to live as I should for you and to be everything that I need to be for you. You have given me a breastplate of righteousness. I don't have to give in to the enemy. I don't have to listen to his lies. I don't have to believe everything that I hear. I don't have to believe everything that I feel, but I can trust in your word, that your word is true, and I'll stand on that and that alone. So out of that overflow, the question is, are you allowing him to snake through? Are you allowing him to get through your armor? Are you, have you taken the armor off? You say, I can fight this battle just with the helmet of salvation. I believe I'm saved. Praise God. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough to go to battle with the belt of truth only. Uh, The belt of truth and the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, ooh, the shield of faith. Hallelujah, I got faith. But what about righteousness? What about the breastplate of righteousness? Now, it protects that vital place in your life as the heart, as we understand it as being a place of courage. Listen to what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 20. I've preached out of this passage before. Deuteronomy 20, where the Bible lets us know, and and Moses is preparing the people, God is preparing the people through Moses, and essentially letting them know that when the battle comes, not if the battle comes, but when it comes. Not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. But listen to verse 3 of Deuteronomy 20. The Bible says that he shall say, Hear, O Israel, today you are going to battle. You are going into battle against your enemies. Now listen to this. 
Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not be terrified or give way to panic before them. You know what the enemy loves to do is he loves to get us to think that we can just not worry about righteousness so much. It's a, yeah, we don't have to put this breastplate on. It, it, it's not all that necessary. But then all of a sudden he comes along the way and he goes, boo. And we get afraid. And we want to run and we get scared of what it is that we think the enemy will do. I want you to see what God says. Listen to what he is saying here. He is saying, do not be faint-hearted or afraid. In other words, you've got to cover up the heart as that place of courage. That place where you have the courage to stand in the middle of your battle. Listen, there are times where struggles come and battles rage in our lives. And we just want to sit there and weep. And we want to sit there and say, nobody can really comprehend what I feel right now. But I've got you to, you've got to know, brothers and sisters, that you can stand your ground and you can have the courage to go through it. Because of what God has said in His Word. He says, don't be a faint-hearted. Don't be a do not be terrified or give way to panic before them. Why? Because the enemy will not come out on the winning side. If you have that breastplate of righteousness on, then I want you to know the enemy cannot get in and disturb your courage. It takes courage to go through some of the things that you've been through. It takes courage to walk through some of the pain and the suffering of your life. It takes courage to stand your ground when your family thinks that you're just nuts for being a Christian. It takes courage to stand your ground when everybody on your job looks at you like you are the freak who walked in with three heads on top of your body. They, they look at you like you're the stranger who just showed up from another planet. Why? Simply because you're a believer and you're a Christian. It takes courage to stand your ground in the middle of all of that. It takes courage to stand your ground when the enemy is breathing fire financial threats at you and he is saying he's going to take you out and take you down brothers and sisters do not be faint-hearted stand your ground in him put on that breastplate of righteousness and protect your heart as the place of courage we don't have to we don't have time to get into all the other ones that are here but we have to stay sensitive to the lord i think the conscience the idea that the heart is that place of the conscience is a fascinating kind of idea, that place that we have to not allow, we cannot allow the enemy to, to sear our consciences so that we never have this sense of right and wrong. You know, folks, we are living in such a dark day in our world. I am, the more I go out, even just in, in how people are living and how they're, they're working and, and moving in life. It's an amazing thing. The day that we are living and people are just wanting to do their own thing and it doesn't really matter and what's, you know, we get into all this kind of nonsense about what's right for you may not be right for me and, and you know, you, you can't really hold to that in, in totality. Nobody really can but that's sort of the going mindset of our day and I want you to know that in the middle of all of that we've got to stand our ground and be strong and courageous and say I'm going to protect that place that is the place of my conscience where I know that I know what's right and wrong. I have that sense from the Word of God. I'm going to be guided by the Word and have that in my life. There's one final thing that we have to remember and the reason we've got to put it on. 
put on the breastplate of righteousness is because of the power that is there in it. The great power of the breastplate of righteousness is the fact that it is the living out of the life of Christ in front of the world. See, we talked about righteousness as God declared you to be righteous. But that's not really the kind of righteousness that Paul is necessarily talking about here. He is talking about in the middle of battle, similarly to what we talked about last week with the belt of truth or the belt of truthfulness or faithfulness, remaining faithful to the Lord. It is a similar idea that the breastplate of righteousness is now because we have the righteousness of Christ in us, we have been declared righteous Now, what are we doing with it? Are we living it out in front of a world that is looking and scrutinizing to see the little things in our lives? Are we living it in front of a world that so desperately needs to see something that is authentic and something that is real and something that is true? Look, the world looks around and thinks, really, all I've got here is 80, 90 years, and then that's it? That's all there is to it? But listen, in the middle of your battle, I believe with all my heart you can stand your ground and say I'm going to live the life of Christ which is not this morbid kind of somber you know you know it's 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 sort of like I listen I know there are prophets in the, in the world and they're they're always you know they're they're going to deliver a word a word from the Lord and it's not going to be necessarily what everybody wants to hear but I want to, I want you to know that in the middle of the prophetic there still has to be joy that we still have to live a life that honors God that says I'm not only living this way because I know what the Bible says I'm living this way because I love Jesus because I want to honor him with my life it is a breastplate of righteousness to show the power of his transformation listen to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24 the Bible says this and to put on the new self created to be like God notice that in true righteousness and holiness the idea here is you're not the same anymore The old Julian doesn't exist. The old Robert doesn't exist. The old Roger doesn't exist. The old Leona doesn't exist. This is a new creation. If anybody is in Christ, you are a new, a new creation. You're not the same anymore because of what He has done for you on the cross. It is because He has declared you righteous that you now have the power to overcome sin and live a holy life before the world. The world looks at you and says, you're crazy. What do you mean you don't go clubbing? What's the, what, what is it that you don't go drinking with everybody else? You don't go you know, sit at the bars and hang out and tell the dirty jokes and do all those kinds of things. How come you don't do that? And the world thinks you're nuts. They think you're crazy for not running in the same flood of dissipation. But I want you to know that in the end, the Bible says that my righteous one will live by faith and it will be those who will inherit the promises of God. Brothers and sisters, we must live now a righteous life before the world. May I remind you that righteousness, again, does not mean perfect. I'm not excusing sin today. I am simply saying that there are times in our humanity that we mess up. that We don't, we don't quite get it right. 
But that's what the blood of Jesus is for. That, that's what we, we come to Him. We say, Lord, I need you more now than I ever have. You, will, you go through the Old Testament, you don't see any, any perfect individuals. None of them were. But yet they were ones who trusted in the power of God. They trusted in His transforming power. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says here, for you who are created to be like God. Well, like Him in what way, Pastor? That gets very, very... Here it is. In true righteousness and holiness. How can I live a holy life? How can I do it? By putting on the breastplate of righteousness. He already declared that you were in right standing. Now it's a matter of living that right standing out in front of a world that desperately needs to see a change. Not only that, it shows the power of His transcendent peace. Quote the scripture often. Out of the book of Philippians, in the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. It guards your heart and your mind. Let me say it again. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. The heart is that place where fear and doubt can get in and disrupt and disturb. But the breastplate guards the heart in a way that gives peace even in the middle of battle. I know, and I don't, I don't know what it's like to be a police officer. I know this story that I told in the beginning probably is, is sort of outside the scope of, of what we understand a little bit. I know we look around, you see in Chicago, you see in all the police forces now, it's just it's standard issue to wear that vest. It's something that they get. And I know there is a sense, a little bit at least, of comfort that there is that part that is protected, even though with some of the things that are out there in this day and age, even there, I, I, I think that some police feel as though they're just not protected as they should be or could be. But nonetheless, there is that element that there is that It brings just a little bit of comfort, a little bit of peace. But I want you to know that the breastplate of righteousness will not bring just a little bit of peace. It won't bring just a little bit of comfort. But the breastplate has been made so that no sin can get in. The breastplate of righteousness has been made so that you can overcome when the enemy, when the fiery darts somehow make it past the shield of faith and it hits the breastplate of righteousness. You can still stand your ground knowing God has given me everything that I need that pertains to living a life of godliness in front of the world. Brothers and sisters, God has not left anything out from what it is that you need. He gives His transcendent peace through this breastplate of righteousness. One final thing is it shows the power of a life that is totally His. Let's read in Ephesians chapter 5. Just go there and I'll close with these verses of Scripture today. The Bible says this, Verses 8 through 10. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That is your standing. That is, you have been declared righteous. But now notice what Paul says. He says, live as children of light. For the fruit of the light 
the outflow, what makes it obvious, how else can I say it, of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And he says, and find out what pleases the Lord. There, you know, within the church, we have a little bit, of, at least in some places, we have a little bit of a problem. We're always trying to find what, what pleases us. Why don't, you know, I don't like this church because of this. It doesn't make me feel good. I don't like this about this because, well, it doesn't make me feel nice. We're always trying to find out what pleases us. In fact, many people go to a church to check that church out to find out what's going to please them. Aren't you glad the Bible does not say find out what pleases yourself? It says, find out what pleases the Lord. Because you're so fickle. Your your mind is going to change. Your attitudes are going to change. Your desires are going to change. All of that changes. But God never changes. Find out what pleases Him. And you go after Him with all your heart. You go after Him and you say, Lord, my life, my life is completely and totally yours. And I want you to know, if you will give Him your very best, give Him your all, He will watch over you. He will protect you in the middle of the battle that you are faced with. You say, I, Pastor, you don't know the battle that I'm, that's raging in my life right now. And I may not you may tell me the whole horror story and I may look at you dumbfounded not knowing what to say but I want you to know that there is a commander in chief who has been through the battle for you he has walked every step of it he has walked into the valley of temptation and he has come through on the other side victorious he has faced the devil and the devil got defeated he went to the cross and he defeated the devil there he rose from the grave and defeated him one more time and I want you to know brothers and sisters now on the other side of that battle we have the word of God to help us in our situation and it says that you've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness God is not telling you to do something that you cannot do he is not doing some telling you to put on something that you cannot put on but I want you to know that if you have come to Jesus Christ and given him your heart He has declared you to be righteous. He now expects that you will live righteously or live rightly before Him in front of your co-workers, in front of your schoolmates, in front of your family members, in front of your friends, in front of a world that is looking for somebody to be a little bit different than what they are. Yes, they may make fun of you. They may think you're crazy. They may say things about you, but I want you to know that you will make a lasting impression upon their lives because you have put the breastplate of righteousness on. Brothers and sisters, we've got to live it in this world. And I want you to know that there are times in our lives the enemy comes along and I, I, he says, you know what? I'm going to get you one way or another. <laughs> you know, the enemy is trying, at least in part, the devil is because it's motivated by him. Thing that happened to Boston, 9-11, other places, other times, in other parts of the world, not just here. He's trying to say, I'm going to make everybody so afraid that everybody's just going to be careful what we say, who we say things to, how we live. Oh, we can't confess Jesus because you never know what's going to happen. This is why I think 
that what Christy does at the end of this each month is so important for us as believers to recognize that we live in a world where people are still persecuted for their faith. And it may come to this nation. It may come in a greater way. It may come in a different way. But the persecution may come. But when it does, what are we going to do? Are we going to put on the breastplate of righteousness and still live according to the Word of God? Or are we going to let the enemy get through to our hearts with fear and, and say, you know what, don't, don't say the name of Jesus so much. Just talk about God. Because God is this, you know, all-accepting kind of term. But Jesus narrows it down. Because Jesus is, you know, for the Christian faith, that he is, he is God. He is, but, but nobody else confesses Jesus. So leave him out of the conversation. You know, the enemy is so crafty. And he's such a deceitful liar. He is such a liar, brothers and sisters. There is no other name under heaven by where men can be saved. It is the name of Jesus in him alone that mankind can come to the end of himself and recognize that he needs a Savior. It is only Jesus. No other religion can provide it. Nobody else can point to the way of salvation. It is Jesus in him alone that died on the cross for our sins and has provided life and has provided a future for us. Can we bow our heads?